This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director. I've been doing this since 1977. And coming up is uh, early voting starting March 28th, Election Day, April 12th. And someone who's been in the city politics for quite a long time, too, is Janet Brecky. And uh, you're running for council at large, I see. I am. I'm running for re-election to my council at large seat. Well, tell us a little bit. You know, I can remember you being a city attorney how many years ago? Well, it'd be about 14 years ago that I left the city attorney's office, but I was the city attorney for 18 years. Now, you left because you weren't happy with some of the things they were doing in City Hall down there. No, at that time it was, I'd served under five mayors mm-hmm. at that point, and, you know, I, the the fifth mayor and I, we had, you know, just sort of a philosophical shift. And, and it also, it was always a combination. You know, I wasn't the perfect fit for him, but also, you know, I was I was kind of tired, and I was looking for something new. Well, as a city attorney for the mayor for that many years, now then you became a, a, a small business person with the uh, Honey Bay Camp. I do, and yeah. I did, and it was it, it was very fun. Um, I I still think it's a jewel that I brought a little jewel to Sioux Falls, and I I like to remind people that you know a hundred percent of the ham comes from Smithfield. Well, you were a politician or city attorney, and you were ham. Uh, honey baked ham. Uh, so what makes you uh, want to come back to politics now? You know, after the break um, and having been, you know, kind of in that advisory, but yet sort of a policy role, you know, in the back rooms, you know, as a, you know, I was actually chaired the management association. So in that particular association, we, you know, did things on behalf of the mayor, you know, got involved with a little of the policy. And so I kind of had a hunger for, um, coming back and being involved again, but also I saw some things happening, you know, as it related to our, our rapid growth that, that I felt, we, you know, that I could help shape the direction that we go. And particularly I was concerned about, about crime and growth. They kind of go together. Um, when you grow, if you don't grow properly, um, there's good ways to grow and bad ways to grow. And I felt like I had something to offer because, uh, you know, I kind of been guiding the city in a, you know, a bit of a direction um, and some of the things I did in the years I were there, for example, projects Nice and Keep, which were internationally recognized, are still very viable programs in the city. And really, uh, the large part of the reason that we don't have any slums and ghettos. Well, you're fourth, we have distressed neighborhoods, but we don't have slums and ghettos. You're a fourth generation South Dakotan and, and a longtime Sioux Falls resident. So, and you got uh, two full grown kids, or three adult children and three grandchildren. So you've seen them go through school and, and all of that. Uh, so how, how has Sioux Falls in City Hall changed from back when you were city attorney to now it's, it's, you know, it's a newer building and all that kind of thing? You know, I th- the change was rather dramatic mm-hmm. for me, um, having left for 14 years and, and really was completely out of it. Um, a lot of the things had, have changed, and for me, uh, not always in a good way um, in terms of just how this the strong mayor form of government really turned into a super strong mayor form of government. And the council, um, it didn't seem that they really arose to the policy setting role that they're supposed to play. And I see that as lack of having a master plan. And that is one of the things I ran on in my last campaign. And I would say that's probably one of the main reasons I'm coming back because I wasn't able to convince my fellow council members that that was the direction we needed to go because the charter makes it crystal clear that the council shall be shall have all of the policy setting powers of the city. So the council should be engaging in the master planning process. 
and they're not doing it. And people ask me why, 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 why aren't they interested? Because I get a lot of interest when I talk about it on the campaign trail. And I said, you know, basically, I just discovered that it's hard to change status quo. You know, people have achieved certain things in their roles. They're comfortable doing what they're doing. And then I come in and say, boy, I think we can do more, you know, from a, you know, from a policy setting perspective than these smaller, what I call legislative problem solving things that we do. But it's like they're happy in their position. So one of the reasons I'm running is because whenever there's a new election, there's new blood. I've talked to a number of the candidates and, you know, they are interested, you know, in long range planning. So maybe, you know, maybe with new, you know, new council members on, um, there'll be that interest there that I, I couldn't generate when I came in. Well, what I think, Janet, is that uh, the developers have everything kind of comfortable, and then you come in and kind of talk about the citizen, and that uh, is, is disruptive for them in a sense. Uh, the developers make a lot of money when the city grows, but on you know, as far as my my point is, my rent went up one hundred and eighty-five dollars. Now, with the uh, warehouse from Amazon coming in, it's going to be a lot of jobs. Uh, they're going to be staying in. Hartford and Baltic and Dell Rapids and all over, but uh, the rent's going to go up more. Well, the developers make a lot of money, but the citizens are sitting at home paying more property taxes, uh, uh, inflated, uh, you know, uh, uh, evaluations under houses. Uh, uh, we need someone that can really take care of the citizen and say, wait a minute, maybe we should be including that with them. You just hit on a topic that is near and dear to me, and I think it is the single most significant and important topic in this election and I'm going to refer also to the last election in this country John there is a paradigm shift called the big reset and what the big reset is all about is the fact that we lost millions and millions and millions of small businesses in the pandemic and the expectation is only 60% of those will come back on the other hand the dot-com companies had extraordinary years and now there is a movement. There's a movement in this country that the dot-com companies or, the, or the, the business elite, which you've talked about, the business elite, and in this city, for example, the developers, will, will work together with government, together with government, in tandem with government, and they will you know, strive to keep that top end of the peak working well, and then they will take care of the rest of us. Okay, that's very strange and what it's called and I think it's really important that people understand it because it's going on right here in Sioux Falls it's exactly what you mentioned there's that top end of the period you know in in conjunction with the strong mayor form of government and they want to take care of us they want to become part of the decision-making government and what it's called is it's called stakeholder government versus shareholder government now just think about that for a minute shareholder government if you're viewing it from a business lens is a government for the people, by the people of it. It's, with, it's for the taxpayers. Mm -hmm. It includes free enterprise. It, it, it recognizes that small business is the backbone of the country. This, this stakeholder government that I'm talking about, you know, is interested in serving the stakeholders, which is who, John? Well, that's the developers. It, yep. it's, the, it's the high end yep. business elite. Yes, which, which, includes, which includes that. And, and so, in Sioux Falls, in the last election and in this election, um, it's, it's, very, it's, it's glaringly apparent that that choice exists right here. Do you want a shareholder government? Do you want shareholder council members? Or do you want stakeholder council members? There's three races out there that it's very clear 
that there's been more and more involvement, you know, by a mayor than any other mayor um, and council members in the history of this form of government. They've, they're actively getting involved in the election process. And in the last election, they spent the largest amount of money, you know, ever seen in the city in order to oust the mouse that roared, Teresa Staley. And they succeeded, you know, at uh, spending $126,000 versus her $18,000 and only did it by 200, you know, 250 votes. Now, in my election, there's things going on right now. For example, you know, in my election, I, I've been told that there's a, a photograph of one of my opposition in the reception area of the mayor's office. And, you know, there's also been, um, you know, one of, the, one of the council members has also, or one of the um, candidates has told me that her opposition has been seen um, out with the mayor uh, performing religious services uh, on the podium together, religious giveaways. And so I think people need to take the time and energy in this election to tell me, tell me, is that what you want? I'm okay. I'll ride away into the sunset. But, you know, the, the, what, you know I'm not the mouse that roared. Um, I'm, what I, how I describe myself is I disagree, but I'm not disagreeable. I think most people would say I'm not a disagreeable person. Uh, I don't generate a lot of angst, but I do frequently disagree with how things are going because, you know, I do view it through a lens of, of, of a great deal of experience. Talking to Janet Brecky, Council at Large, with the election coming up early voting March 28th, Election Day, April 12th. The previous mayor's election, I had all of the candidates in, and I asked every one of them, who's running the city, the developers or the citizens? And they all said developers. That was back during the other election. And they all said, we're going to have more uh, open uh, uh, transparency, but I, I think we have less. And are we saying uh, what you were talking about a minute ago? Are we saying that there's elected officials that are actually donating a lot of funds uh, for other candidates so that they can be on their? You know, I will have to, I, what I'm saying is follow the money, mm -hmm. follow the money, watch and see, because it, it should, it, you know, it'll be posted. And of course, always at the end, a stockpile will come in. And at the end of the, you know, at that one doesn't, that report doesn't come in until after the election. And then you find out for sure. But in the last election, clearly, Clearly, you know, it showed that what I, you're calling developers, I'm calling the business elite, mm -hmm. those, those handful of three or four, just like the, you know, three or four dot-com companies, Facebook, Google, Amazon, you know, those, that, that not that dot-com, but that, that large companies exist here in Sioux Falls. Well, I guess you could look at they it. They can, you know, and they can put a lot of money where they want to. You could look and see who got all the tips during the last four years or five years. Uh, as far as uh, uh, contracts and that too, it's it's public record. Okay, well, Janet, what do you, uh, if you could wave a magic wand, uh, what would your term do? In in while I'm in office, yeah, um, I, I'll go back to master planning. How I've described it to people is, you know, I've watched four mayors. This is my five mayors. This is my sixth mayor, and I said we we have moved this city forward, dealing with problems or challenges or opportunities like dandelions growing in your backyard. You know, we put a squirt, a squirt of fertilizer here, a squirt of fertilizer there, and it's worked. But we are 200,000 people now. That's not going to keep working. We need to spray the whole yard. And, and when I'm talking about that, I'm making an analogy for a master plan. We have master plans all over the place. We spend, I know it's got to be over a million now. I checked a couple years ago, it's 800,000. 
and, and a city citywide master plan would only cost you know between three hundred five hundred thousand to take all those master plans the Sioux Falls Park master plan the downtown master plan the the park system master plan I mean we've got and, and I know the mayor's proposing to do a you know a housing master plan so what we need is an umbrella you know where we can actually prioritize um, and, and you know prioritize all of those things underneath that umbrella and really move the city forward with one vision, the council and the mayor together moving it in one vision. I wish they would have done that before because I've seen a lot of uh, buildings go up, have a lot of jobs, but uh, now we got congestion and traffic uh, backing up and it's harder to get across town. They didn't think about that. Yeah. They, they thought about the development building, the, uh, you know, the, the buildings. Yeah, just dealing with issues as they yeah. bubble up. And what happens in cities that don't have a plan and you do that is a lot a lot of the time it's the social issues that have to get really really bad like how bad is you know how bad is homelessness going to get how bad is mental illness going to get chronically mentally Ill? how bad are we going to let those problems get and are those people going to be all over our streets before we deal with them right now is the time to deal with those problems right now and i've said we need to deal with them compartmentally you know let's figure out what we need to do with our chronically homeless let's figure out what we need to do with our chronically mentally ill. Let's try to put them someplace. Um, it'll be far cheaper uh, than trying to shoo them around and move them all around. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I harken back to, and again, you're my age, John, I harken back to the 70s when we mainstreamed. And I grew up in Dolan, which was right next to the, you know, the home for the mentally ill, but we didn't call it that back then. Um, and we put all those people out in mainstreaming, and a whole bunch of them fell through the cracks and continue to fall the cracks. And governments just pushed them aside and said they're not our responsibility. Well, yes, they are. And, and, and those handfuls that do crawl, fall through the cracks, if we could deal with them in an upfront fashion, for example, I just suggested throwing up a couple of eight plexes, having loose supervision so that they take their meds. This is, you know, chronically mentally ill. I said some of them will graduate if they're taking their meds. And then there's a program out in California where they house them like that. They call it the bed and board program. And then they, the ones that graduate out, you know, you, you kind of help, help them move forward because once they take their meds, there's several of them that will if there's somebody supervising that. And then while they live in that, that setting, uh, they can perform community service or volunteer work. I mean, again, I'm going back to those people that used to be institutionalized and they really are chronically ill. And again, some of them, you know, when reached early enough, will graduate. The ones that don't, though, they've got bed and they've got a roof over their head. And they won't be in the streets, and they won't be in, in um, the Bishop Dudley House, which is supposed to be a temporary, you know, a temporary shelter for 30 days. And it's, it's housing a lot of that. So each one of those, I mean, if you do homeless the same way, try to figure out what those chronically homeless need, what we can best do for them. I'd rather get in front of those curveballs instead of just wait until people just go, eh, we're just like all those other cities now. And we know that that's coming, so... Let's get in front of it, and that's why I think strategic planning is so important. One out of three homeless are veterans uh, still. Early and voting. If start- I could add one thing, yes, there are council members out there because I've talked to all the candidates except my opposition, mm-hmm. but I've talked to all the other candidates, and I've talked to them about master planning, and they are very open-minded about it. So I hope I hope people will figure out, you know, who are the candidates who want to do this. Well, I'll tell you the, the way the times are nowadays. If they had a plan three or four years ago. 
and they wouldn't have expected gas to be four dollars or more an hour i mean a gallon uh so maybe we need to have electric bicycles uh you know some kind of other transit type of thing uh, other types of uh, planning that like i say they wouldn't have even dreamed of uh, three or four years ago uh the citizen input on that though right right and again i think that is again it all ties back I, you know there's there's the crime issue there's neighborhood revitalization um all of those things are important and they're all you can come up to reasonable um solutions for them because you know, cities like us in Des Moines are really lucky because we can just go to other cities and that have the worst problems and say, how did you deal it? What, what did you do and how is it working? And get things in place before we ever have those problems. Well, they're going to have to have electric plug-ins at the parking meter soon if the future goes all electric cars, as they say. We're talking to uh, Janet Brecky, council at large, who uh, moving forward is, is kind of your motto. Uh, many are county deputy state's attorney. Uh, for four years, uh, city attorney for 18 years, uh, serving five mayors, a businessman with Honey uh, Baked Ham, which are delicious, by the way. Are you still uh, the owner of that? Or? No, I sold that. I think it, we're going on five years. Oh, you, I, it's, it's the world's best ham. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And you know why? Because <laughs> it's made here in Sioux Falls. That's right. And think about it. Just think about the quality of our hogs. Tell me anywhere. I don't care where you are. Europe, anywhere. They can get a better ham than we can in South Dakota. Well, and I will tell you, I was the envy just a pitch for Smithfield. I was the envy uh, in the in the honey bake system because they have three different mm-hmm. providers, you know, for distribution purposes. And everybody, when they would occasionally get the ones, the John Morell ones, they'd go, oh, oh, I wish I, you're so lucky you get the John Morell hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I say, this gives you more time. You're part of the community. And uh, I know you've been in the Lions Club for, for years, uh, Sioux Falls Chamber, Church Family Service, and Junior League, the Red Cross. Uh, you're active in the community with the Municipal League, uh, City Attorneys Association, the South Dakota Trial Associations, so- Lawyers Association, and you chaired the women's section of the South Dakota State Bar Association. This is Women's Month, I guess, so we can say we can add that to the to the uh, congratulations to women on uh, this is Women's Month. Well, again, early voting starts March 28th, Election Day, April 12th. You were telling me how many counselors are running and how many mayors are running? About? Um, there's three... Three in the mayor's race, and then in my race, there's three. It's myself and Bobby Andrea and Sarah Cole. And then in uh, an, an at-large B, it's Rich McCurious and Pam Cole. And that's a race to really watch. And again, take a look at take a look at, at what you want out of that race, you know, whether you want a stakeholder or a shareholder. You can figure these things out. And then... Um, then um, Kurt Sale is up for re-election in the Central District, and he is taking on um, uh, uh, Reesdorfer, um, Emmett Reesdorfer, just mm-hmm. recently entered the race. And there's a third person, and I just met him for the first time last night, and his name escapes, escapes me, but I believe he's a pharmacist here in town. Does that mean running? And there's one more. Okay. Um, Quite a few. Um, the Southeast District. Southeast District is Dave Bronco and um, Cody Ingle. Do we have a good group of people coming up uh, with these elections this year? We do, and that's why I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. I think, quite frankly, I kind of told you this movement and kind of this technical thing, but I think that there were people feeling left behind. I think there were people that think like you, that that there's just too much at the top end and, and not so much, you know, listening to the people anymore. And so for reasons... Um, not as systematic as I talked about. There was just they they just bubbled up and they were angry enough or excited enough, whatever you want to call it, to get into 
in it. So we have a lot of activity in the races. So I hope people will pay attention and take the time to learn about these people because, yes, there are definitely some good candidates out there, all of them. Really. Let, me, let me throw a question from left field here a little bit. Uh, the uh, city council moved the citizen input uh, a couple of different ways. What did you think of that? Well, I fought that. I fought that very hard. Um, I've, it, 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 there was two swipes at it, and then they mm. finally just got it. They got the votes, and they just armored up, and there was no movement, and it, it was just going to happen. But I was pretty vocal about that, and um, I certainly tried to rally some public citi- you know, some citizens to come and testify, um, because it just, it's just, it goes back to what I was saying. Do you want shareholder government, free enterprise, or do you want stakeholder government? And then we're going to just let that money, because that's where all the money is. When you think of government in the highest, follow the money, business elite. Well, then, are what are they going to do with us? They'll take care of us, right? But they're going to take themselves for their, them first. They're going to take their piece of chicken off the plate first, and we'll get what's left. And that really looks to a lot of people, you know, like socialism. It well, really does. To me, it sounds. And it looks, you know, like, um, you know, in the mayor's office, if if the mayor and these folks are allowed to pick the council members, because that's what's happening here. They'll pick who votes with them. Yeah. They want to pick the council members so. And help fund their races so that they're beholden to them. Well, in past elections, I, I've seen people come in and they run uh, mainly because they worked for some big company, and the company gives gives them kind of a blank check and says, "Well, we'll get you into council. That way, we can get what we want." And if the council isn't full of independent voices that debate and discuss, and you know, and and can debate and discuss because they're allowed to, you know, and that's not the process. And if the council is just there, kind of a long arm of the administration, what form of government is that, John? What is that? Well, I, I saw a lot of projects come up to the council that, wait a minute, we didn't even hear about this. Where'd that come from? You're just asking us to sign here, but we didn't even discuss that. Uh, is that still going on? Where they do what? I, Where they bring the, the whole issue up without even discussing it, saying, here, here's what we're going to do, just sign here, you know. Uh, but it really wasn't discussed, you know, as, as a project before it came out of Somebody put it together and, and said, here, let's, let's pass this. A lot, there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff that's done behind the scenes, which drives mm-hmm. me crazy, and, and, and I, I don't believe that's the way it should be done. I believe that you know, there's a period where after we make the motion called debate and discussion, and in the past councils that I've observed and the commissions that I've observed, it is during that period that we debate and we discuss and we challenge and we talk a little bit about behind the scenes, but I saw the best stuff come when that is an active part of the process because that debate and discussion, there would be compromise and there would be ideas that, you know, new ideas in- integrated into it and the best results came from that. And we don't have that right now. We don't have that right now. I mean, I think it's kind of floating around the community that a council member was chastised behind the scenes, you know, um, recently, you know, for just asking some questions because he was, was chastised for not, not, you know, being part of the group, not being part of the team. And it, and it made him look, it made him look like the should, team wasn't all in. Should the city government be a team? It should be different voices, you know, bringing dis- different discussion and debate and, and different ideas, uh, in, in my opinion. Uh, early voting starts March 28th, Election Day, April 12th. Uh, follow the money. There's public records they can go to. There's uh, 
records of the last four years they can go to and see who's there and who's on the other pages that, uh, uh, you know, you have to sift through sometimes. Janet Brecky, we're talking uh, council at large here. Uh, the And this is to reelect because you've been this before. Yes. Yeah, I've been there for four years, and under our former government, you can have two terms, and then you um, then you have to leave, but you can come back again. I think only one person has ever done that. But two consecutive terms, and then you have to take a break. So then well, you're term limited out. And the two people term limited out are Rick Kiley and Christine Erickson. So their seats are open, and, and I'm the incumbent, and Kurt Sales the incumbent in his seat. Well, here's an idea that no one is in the city council going to like. Um, there's a city in Colorado that uh, it's illegal to raise the rent more than 20% over a five-year period. Uh, Boulder, Colorado, they actually bought a circle of land around the city so it wouldn't grow anymore uh, quite a few years ago. Uh, basically, so that, yeah, so that it would stay as it is. Because they've had companies come in like IBM with 30,000 people and just it's a bust and then, a, a, you know, then they move out and it, it's not good. Uh, yeah, you've hit on another topic that's kind of a favorite of mine for this election. Mm-hmm. And again, I've watched the city grow now for 24 years. And, you know, you start out, it's kind of addictive because you're so excited when it happens. And, and then it just keeps growing and growing. And now I think we're at a point where we have to question our growth. We have to take more charge of it. And what I'm talking about is a concept called precision growth or smart growth. Mm-hmm. And in this concept, you're laser focused on getting those businesses here that provide a living wage. And, and the three things that are happening right now that are in that category, but to me, again, in a long-range planning sort of strategy, that's what you have to do. And the, you can't stop it like the ring around Boulder. It doesn't really work because I'll just jump over the ring. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? You can't really stop the growth, but you don't have to roll out the red carpet so much. We've got to be a little more scrupulous, and we really, really have to focus like on Startup Sioux Falls, the things they're doing for small business and living wages, this DSU project, and the Discovery District. All of those will be livable wage jobs, and we've got to quit just building for building sakes. We, we do have urban sprawl, and, um, you know, we, we just, I don't want to say we should stop growing because, I, like I said, I don't think you can do it anyway, but we need, you know, and we've managed our growth. But now we need to focus on precision, precision growth, and if that slows it a little bit, that's probably going to be fine because we don't have the employees to serve it anyway. Sioux is a good place to be, but it's getting a reputation as a boom town, and being a boom town is it can be boom or bust. Gas is up, to, you know, four dollars an hour. And I guess, as a city government, uh, are they ever going to think of? Is there any way we can keep the rent from going up so much all the time? Uh, I mean, really, that to me, that would be what uh, they would want to do for the citizens is is to have some kind of uh, well, like New York, have some kind of rent control. And everybody right now says, "Oh, don't talk about that. Don't mention it." <laughs> but for, like I say, for those that uh, you know earn a teacher's wage. Uh, that is something that uh, with $4 gas and groceries going up, uh, it, it's getting too high. I would tell you that I think you've hit the issue that everybody's talking about, and that's accessible housing. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying affordable, I'm saying accessible. Affordable housing really isn't uh, affordable to a 15 16 right. and what I, you know, what I've saying is as we solve that problem, as we work through that problem, I see it as an opportunity. Again, cities like Des Moines and South Dakota, we can see what's out there and and, and I see it as a beautiful opportunity to create the right kind of housing. But the lens I want to look through every decision on in that discussion is we need to create the kind of housing that allows people, um, you know, th- that allows people to step up, uh, housing that people can buy into and have a stake in. Well, if you work up... A, a pathway 
to home ownership. That's the lens. I want a pathway to home ownership. So we need to have a panoply of choices. We need to zone some areas for tiny homes, for small homes. You know, we need to have more condos, more townhomes, because if you don't have a pathway to home ownership, everybody's, most people's major asset is their home. It's the main thing that got them, got them above. If you can't, the more you can create that, the less we'll, we'll take the reverse action and either be stuck in a, you know, in that kind of a dead end situation forever, you know, just draining their income, you know, or slide backwards into poverty. So that's the lens that I'm going to be looking at anything, but I see it. In the, in the area of let's have a variety and, and the devil will be in the details like how many of each but to me a lot of affordable choices all different kinds of sizes focus on getting a lot of home uh, you know again a pathway to home ownership and I really am going to be uh, against really large apartment complexes I we just know where that leads to again mm-hmm. we go out to the coast it's called ghettos it's called slums they eventually wear out the first person that built them made all their money. The second person that, that bought them and then made all their money. The third person just sucks all the money out of them, and then you've got to get them. And they're usually out-of-state owners, too. Yes, by that time. Janet Brecky, I guess we've got 30 seconds left. I guess if you were to shake hands with somebody that never knew you before, how would you introduce yourself? Wow, that's, <laughs> that's a good question. I would say I'm Janet Brecky. I grew up in Dolan, South Dakota. I'm a very well-grounded person because I still frequently go back there. But also, I've had a fair numbers of successes, both in the law and in business. Um, and so I just, um, you know, just really enjoy people in general. Early voting starts March 28th, Election Day, April 12th. We'll have some more candidates on here between then. Uh, but Janet Brecky, Council at Large, you're running for it. We elect Janet Brecky, Council at Large. I want to thank you for being with us on Forum. Thank you, John.